My name is Buck Webb, and this is my wife, Beth, uh, and these are our six kids, and uh, we've got a house full. <laughs> so this is Addison and Oliver, and this is Riker and Ezra and Peyton and Tatum over in the end. So I, mean, I think since, since we met, like we talked about the idea of having a big family, that, that was something we both kind of valued. And so then when we had our, really shortly after we had Riker, who was our fourth kiddo, um, we began to talk about you know, the possibility of adoption and really just uh, that really kind of came out of the idea of, you know, caring for the orphans and widows, it talks about in the book of James. For us, it was just kind of this value of like, yeah, why wouldn't we give, you know, give some other kids that don't have a, a family a, a home? We started the process in 2015. Um, in the midst of that, we moved multiple times which means a lot of starting paperwork over, starting training over, those kind of things. So then finally, we got a phone call and said, hey, you've been matched with two boys in Burundi. And so we actually traveled twice, once to pick up Oliver, and then 10 months later, we traveled to pick up Ezra. So yeah, yeah it's been a long journey. I think through our journey, um, God really has taught us that, you know, it's love is not about the outcome. I, mean, I, I think it's what we, the reason we adopted was because we knew who God was for us um, in that, God's love for us has been a choice on his end that regardless of how we act or who we are, that's not why God loves us, it's because of who he is. I think the main thing adoptions taught me about God's love is it really is unconditional. It has nothing to do with me, how I perform, um, whether I'm meeting the standard, whether I fit, it's all about him, right? That it all comes down to this is what he's about, right? He's about He's about love. Everything he does is so that we'll understand how much he loves us. Through the hard days and the hard times and the times when you're just spent and you're at the end of who you are, um, that's when God can step in and we can rest in, in who he's created us to be and, and, and the love that he has. John 3, 16 through 17 says this about God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We're the Webb family, and today we light a candle to remember and celebrate God's gift of love. Would you join me in thanking the Webb family for their Advent story? And boy, what a story. Six kids. I mean, God bless you. And Merry Christmas to the Webb family. Merry Christmas to all of you who are here in the Woodside Room, as well as those at West Tonka and Bush Lake and those worshiping online. What a great and special occasion to be together. I love the Webb story. I wish I had the time to tell you their whole story, how they ended up in Minneapolis and at Westwood. It's a God story. They're great leaders. But I love what they just shared, that it's a story of home, of family, of adoption, and I don't know if you've ever thought about Christmas this way, but adoption is the heart of the Christmas story. We think of adoption as something that we do for someone who is separated from their family. But indeed, the very beginning of adoption is what God does for everyone who is separated from him. And so we have this Heavenly Father, who has this extravagant love that gets unleashed into the world in the coming of Jesus Christ, who comes to bring us home, to be part of his family, to adopt us in, and what a gift that is. 
Well, over the course of our journey together, we have been in this Advent season celebrating the reality of who God is and what he does with the coming of Christ by, um, in Advent, having a series we've called the, the Gift Exchange. And it kind of carries this idea that sometimes you'll give a gift to someone and then they give you something unexpectedly greater and bigger and you go, wow, really? From me? And we see this happen in our own lives in different ways. The last Christmas I had with my father, our family had with my father, was in 2008. And our family gave him a sweater. And I just want to say it was a really nice sweater. <laughs> but he gave to carry my wife a piece of jewelry, which he had never done before. And it was unexpected. He gave her a cross. I brought a picture of it. This is a cross couched with four hearts and a diamond in the middle. It completely surprised her. It overwhelmed her, his generosity and thoughtfulness, and especially the affectionate manner by which he presented it to her. Several years later, we were in Israel, and we were walking around the old city of Jerusalem, and Carrie had the necklace on. We got back to the hotel that night, and it was missing. She had somehow fallen, it had fallen off onto the streets of Jerusalem, lost, never to be found. I'm telling you, she was so deeply grieved because of the loss of that moment when my father gave that to her. So for years, really, we, we, she grieved over this and would comment, comment on it frequently. So finally, we went to a jeweler to say, would you be able to find this? Could you find a replica? And we had a photo of it. And that jeweler worked for several months and we found a replica almost exactly the same. And I had the privilege to give it to Carrie. And it was like it was all over again, that affectionate love of my father for her. It's a powerful thing to see. When we come to celebrate Christmas, this is what we see in God, this incredible gift exchange. And it's unexpected. It completely, completely surprises us. And over this Advent series, we've been looking at what we give to God, but what he gives us in return. Give God your hurt, and he gives you his hope, really. You know, give God your worry, and he gives you his peace, really. You know, give God your grief, and he gives you his joy, really, for me. And then this Christmas, I want to just elevate what it is we give and what God gives to us with this message. Give him your life, and he will give you his son, and when he gives you his son, he gives you his love. And when he gives you his love, he gives you his home. He brings you home and adopts you into his family. What I'd love to see you um, experience this Christmas gathering is the benefits of what it means to be adopted as God's child. You will find they are magnificent. There is an assurance, there's affection, and there's access. And it's those three benefits that get communicated in the gospel story of Jesus coming from the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians chapter 4, 4 through 7. Here's the Christmas story. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship, daughtership. Because you are his sons and daughters. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God made you also an heir. And so what I'd like to do in our time together is speak about the benefits of being adopted into God's family. And these three stand out from the passage I've read. The first is assurance. 
Assurance about what? Assurance that you are the child of God. And yes, you are a child of an earthly father, and that matters. My dad's name was Keith Emery Johnson. And when I was born, he gave me his first name as my middle name. And so I am Joel Keith Johnson. But honestly, if I confess to you the reality of my journey, I paid very little attention to my middle name for most of my life until my father died. And I can't tell you exactly what happened, but there was a sense of solidarity with my name and my relationship to my earthly father. And I became bold about his name. So much so that I signed all of my correspondence and still do, either Joel K. Johnson or Joel Keith Johnson. Or if you get a memo from me, you'll often see JKJ. But the Keith is always part of it because I feel that solidarity with my identity as a son to my father who is now in the heavenly realm. But as yes, there is an earthly father, there's a yes to the fact that we have an eternal father that there's this assurance that comes from him into our lives. When I first at 18 years of age began to understand that the love of God, this extravagant love was for me, I go, wow, really? That Jesus came to bring me home, that he came into my world, the mess of it, and would go to the cross to cover my sins and rise from that to give me life eternal. I was moved. I was undone at 18, and I said yes, and I received Jesus Christ into my life as my Savior and Lord. And I'm so glad. It changed the whole trajectory of my life. Pre-Christ, I wouldn't talk about God. I wouldn't talk about Jesus. But I've become kind of bold about the name of God and Jesus, which makes sense, doesn't it? And so I state it clearly, I am a child of God. I am a Christ follower. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. I've experienced that assurance. And Paul is reinforcing the assurance that is a gift to us when we're adopted as his children. It says, but when the set time had fully come, and I'll pause right there, because it's important. There was a predetermined time a historic moment in all of history in which God would break forth into the world that is ours. And as he's breaking forth into this world, we find the precision of what he does all throughout the Gospels. In Matthew's Gospel, you will find that it was 14 generations from Abraham to David. It was 14 generations from David to the Babylonian exile. It was 14 generations from the exile to the very birth of Jesus. It was predetermined from Abraham a blessing that would be fulfilled in Jesus Christ at a specific moment of time, wherein we see at that moment of time, God sent his son. And that's why we gather. It's the incarnation. It's God wrapping himself in the flesh of a baby. And the vivid beauty of a baby speaks to everybody's heart. But it's forever altering, life-changing experience is what God wants us to behold in it. That he is with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And we know that the prophets had foretold that it would be this Messiah born of a woman, miraculously conceived and born of a virgin. So much so that we can have the assurance that God is with us, that God isn't just um, somewhere. He's not over here. He's not out there. He is here. 
He's in our midst. He's among us. He is one with us. He's in our story. He is Emmanuel. God with us is the assurance that we have. And it continues with this beautiful picture. He comes to redeem those under the law, that the law simply represents our, our difficulty, our falling short of the glory of God, that we are under the law. We can never measure up so we see our sin and we know that we're separated from God. But he comes to redeem us, to rescue us from out from under the law, to set us free, that we would become his children, his sons, and his daughters. And what a gift it is. If you're part of the Westwood family, you've heard me share the words of Andre Nowen more than once because I love the precision of how he explains our very identity in Jesus Christ, that I am not what I have. And friends, can I say I pray that you don't find your sense of confidence and identity in what you have because it will wither away. He goes, I am not what I have. I am not what I do. I am not what people say about me. I am the beloved son or daughter of the living God. This is the gift that he gives to us. And what's so magnificent about it is that I don't earn it. It's if you think it's gonna come out of your goodness, you can just stop right there and save the energy. It's not because I've earned it or deserved it. It's simply because I have received it. And that's the promise we have from the Lord, this beautiful picture of the Lord where we find in uh, 1 John 3, 1, these words, see what love the Father has lavished, saturated, soaked us with, that we would be called the children of God. This is the gift that he gives, an assurance that we are his children. It's a gift that we want to behold and take upon ourselves so that we would understand there is an assurance in our identity. In fact, I can say today, and I pray you can too, I am a child of God, loved, known, valued, adopted, seen, secured forever and ever. So I just want to say, friends, nothing can unchild you. Nothing can unchild you when you're adopted into God's family. And that's why I encourage you to give your life to him and he will give you his son. And when he gives you his son, he gives you his love. And when he gives you his love, he gives you his home and he adopts you into his family. This is a magnificent benefit that we have when we're adopted into God's family, but it doesn't stop there. There's another benefit that Paul speaks about and that is affection, specifically related to the fact that you are now in the family of God. There is no greater family to be included in, to belong to than the family of God. And you can have the confidence of his affectionate love for you. And I just know that God's gracious disposition toward us in Christ comes with his affectionate, tender, affectionate love that is for us. And it's important to say that because oftentimes we don't think of God as coming toward us with affectionate love because we're so mindful of our sinfulness, we think he would have nothing to do with us. No, he, he comes to us in order to bring us into that place where we would know that affectionate love. And we echo it even in our relationships with each other. We experienced it this past week um, in Carrie's family as well because we went up to the hobby farm that she was raised in, and it's just about 16 miles northeast of Mora, Minnesota. Her dad still lives there. He's 97 years old. He's still on the farm, and he is all Swedish and proud of it. And sometimes I can say a stubborn Swede. I say it with all respect. But 
he can get into that mode. He didn't learn English until grade school, so he speaks with this very strong Swedish brogue, and he is a man who has impacted my life greatly. He's a man of deep, deep faith. And so we went up to the farm because Carrie lost her mom earlier in the year. We went up to celebrate Christmas, his first Christmas without his wife of 73 years, can you imagine? And 24 of us went up, kids, grandkids, it was so much fun. We had the greatest time eating food, having conversation with some family we hadn't seen for a long time. And then we gathered in their living room, very intimate setting, it was a bit cozy, but we sang to him, happy birthday. And I just want to tell you, it was really beautiful. We did a really nice job on it. And <laughs> it, was just, it was so much fun to do this. But do you know how he responded? It's completely unexpected. And he surprised us. He stood up and he looked at us and began to sing a Swedish hymn. And it was quiet in the room. The tender affection that we felt in the family in that moment is an echo of the tender affection that God the Father has for us. Look what Paul says again. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. It's the intimacy, the relationship. Just for clarity, by the way, Abba here is not the 1970s pop music Swedish group. You know that. I want to make that clear. But this is an Aramaic term. And we have a very close English translation. And we, we translate it daddy or papa. It's very intimate. It's a term of endearment. And in fact, when we were in Israel on that special occasion, when the necklace was lost, we were walking up a hill and there was a little boy, maybe seven or eight years of age, who had, uh, was crying out to his dad who was near the top of the hill, crying out, Abba, Abba, Abba. And to hear that from a seven-year-old, you felt the tender affection that God has for us as our father. And it's important to say that because up until Christ came, you would never dare speak to God with those terms of affection. It would be presumptuous to do that. It would be irreverent to do that. But Jesus did. And Jesus opened the door. He calls his father, Abba, and gives us the invitation to approach him with that same kind of intimacy, Abba, Father, it's not mechanical, friends. It's not transactional. I think about learning in confirmation class the, the Lord's Prayer. And we did it. We felt the pressure of doing it. And, but when we recited, it was a little bit mechanical because it's rote. You know, you kind of put it into your memory. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is not the intent. We are to pray, oh, our Abba, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The intimacy, it's transformational, it's relational. That's what God intended for it. I'm so glad that he did, that he moves us in that place of intimacy. In fact, you find the spirit of it from Paul again in Romans. And it says, this resurrection life that you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? What's next, Papa? We know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children, father and children. We're part of the family of God when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. And I'm really mindful that many of you may have grown up in a home where the tender affection of your father, of your daddy, did not get spoken to you, was not experienced to you, and you probably have felt an emptiness in the depth of your soul because of that. But that's your earthly father. There's a promise that comes from the eternal father. 
that is assuring us of his affectionate love for us. It's tender, and we need it, and we long for it. And so we have this beautiful gift from our Lord that he gives to us, and it's an important one, and it reminds us the importance of being able to give our life to him so that he would give us his son. Because when he gives us his son, he gives us his love. And when he gives us his love, he gives us his home. We're welcomed into his family, the family of God. That's the affection. Uh, what a beautiful benefit of being adopted into God's family. And you think, wow, that sounds like enough, doesn't it? But Paul continues. There's another benefit that he speaks of, and that's access, that we receive a full inheritance when we become children of God and we belong to his family. A full, it's, it's not partial, it's full. It's not a little, it's a lot. Look what he says here. So you who are no longer a slave, but God's child, and since you are his child, God has made you also and heir. And he's pointing out something really important. So you are no longer a slave. You're no longer a slave to this world or to masters of this world. We're a slave uh, in a different kind of way. We're not a slave to the things because what does the slave receive in terms of being an heir? Absolutely nothing, nothing. But we are God's child. And as God's child, what do we receive as an inheritance? Everything. His everything. In fact, there's a context to this um, in Galatians chapter 3, one chapter before in verse 7. And it's connecting this promise that was given to Abraham 4,000 years ago that would be fulfilled in Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago and would be made alive for us right now as we gather in this place. It says, understand that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham, that the gospel of Jesus Christ was pronounced in the Abrahamic covenant that was given 4,000 years ago, saying, all nations will be blessed through you, so those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You know what that's saying practically to us? This is one of my very favorite verses of all the scripture. It says that we get to stand before God as Abram stood before God himself. And when he stood before God, he stood there with open hands receiving. He, he wasn't standing there like, okay, God bless me, like uh, another day. No, he's in the presence of God. He's become awakened in his heart, mind, and soul that there is a God, and this God chooses to bless him, and through him all the families of the earth will be blessed. He opens his hands to receive that blessing, which is the grounding for why we open our hands so often at Westwood Community Church. It is a beautiful promise that the Lord gives to us, and it comes through the beginning of the scripture all the way through. So again, what is it that we are heirs to? His everything his absolute everything. Wow. I start to think about how easily we tether um, the blessings we think of life to the things of this world rather than God himself. And we all do that. I do that as well. Even in childhood, we're kind of cultivated in some ways. I remember my um, favorite everything Christmas and I was just eight years of age and I came down the stairs and I looked at the Christmas tree and under the Christmas tree, Wow, I just could hardly believe it. There were five Tonka trucks and they were magnificent. Everybody in my age group, even younger guys and gals, when you got a Tonka truck, I mean, winner, winner, chicken dinner, you got it all. And I looked, I, could, I just couldn't believe all of those. Were, they were unwrapped. They were staring me in the face. And I have five sisters and one brother. I didn't see any gifts for them. They were all for me. <laughs> that gave it a moment. 
It was my everything favorite Christmas, and I played with them, and they rusted, and then I started to think about it as I'm preparing this message is, where are my Tonka trucks? <laughs> They're gone. I have no idea where they are. They're in some garbage heap somewhere. They have no life. Where, where are they? This is just so unlike the, the inheritance and the blessings we receive from God because we're told that they never perish. It's magnificent. This is what Peter says concerning our inheritance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, that can never perish, spoil, oh man. Friends, do you understand what we celebrate when we're adopted into God's family? Not only can nothing unchild you, nothing can unair you. You are recipients of the blessings of the Lord now and in fullness when he returns. That's the promise he gives and they will not perish. They are part of us forever and ever. It's access to his everything, which I want to say that's really less about God's stuff. It's most about God's presence, that when you experience God's presence, you really have everything. You don't need anything. His presence is magnified through faith in Jesus Christ. So give him your life, and he will give you his son. And when he gives you his son, his promises, he'll give you his love. And when he gives you his love, he gives you his home, his home. And everything that goes along with it, this is the generosity of God. And so it just brings us to that gathering point. You just ask the question. You have to ask the question, um, what do I have to do to have that assurance that I am a child of God, that I could have that affection, that I belong to the family of God, that I could have that access to the blessings of God now and forevermore? What do I need to do? And I think about my 40, nearly 45 years of ministry and walking with the Lord, and the older I get, I'm just astonished with how simple he makes it at the beginning of our journey. He says, to those who have received him, to those who have believed on his name, he gives them the right to become the children of God. It just doesn't get simpler than that. So what do you do? It's simply to say, yes. I want to receive Jesus as the savior of my life. Yes, I want to receive Jesus as the Lord of my life, as the leader of my life. And when you do, the Holy Spirit indwells you and a transformation begins and there's an assurance that comes into your very sense of identity. I am a child of God. There's an affection. And you don't get lost in all your sin and your brokenness. You understand he's come to meet you in that given place, that I belong to his family. I have the tender affection of my Abba Father. And I have this access, this air relationship with God that his everything becomes mine. And so as we close off our time together, um, it's such a beautiful time to be with family and friends, but especially to be with the God who breathed life into you. I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to the Lord, to affirm the faith that you might already have, or if you've been away from the Lord, to come back home to him, or if you've never said yes to the Lord, that you would do that in just a moment. Um, 
And as we do, I'm going to just invite you to take the prayer that you tore off earlier. That prayer um, I wrote some time ago to give to you with the hope that you would take it home, put it on the refrigerator in your car. It's a prayer you may want to pray every day for a while of surrendering and releasing yourself in order that you might experience the great gift exchange that comes from God himself. I'd love for us to pray um, in unison and recite the prayer together. So may I say, if you're a person who has already received Jesus as your Savior and you follow him as Lord, then pray this prayer as a prayer of confession to your adoption. But if you're a person who just sensed the prompting of the Lord to welcome you back home or you've not said yes, I just encourage you to say yes and sense the prompting of the Spirit in your life who's speaking to you right now. And I know he is for some of you. Say yes and see this prayer and recite it as a confession of wanting to be adopted that you might experience assurance and affection and access. That's what he would have for us. So may I invite you to stand? And even if you're at home, I invite you to do the same thing at all of our sites. Just stand together if you may. I'm gonna invite you to do something before we pray the prayer. I'll put it on the screen to be of help too, but would you just place your hand on your heart for a moment? And imagine that you're putting your hand in the pocket of God's heart for you. This extravagant love for you that would cause Jesus to come into this world and the mess of our lives to set us free. That's what it's for. And just in a moment here, just a few moments of silence, Say, say, yes, Lord, I want to be adopted in your family. Now, in unison, could we recite together the beautiful gift exchange that comes to us? Would you join me? Gracious God, you are the giver of all that is good. I come with open hands to receive your grace-filled gifts. I give you my hurt and receive your hope. I give you my worry and receive your peace. I give you my grief and receive your joy. I give you my fear and receive your love. I give you my life and receive your son, Jesus, Savior, Lord. I praise you, I worship you, I love you now and always. Amen and amen.